This coming July, there is a large group of teenagers and parents from Southside who are going on a mission trip to Croatia. And I'm sure you'll be hearing more about uh, that trip in the coming, coming weeks. But last weekend, we had a training uh, for that team out at the Bluegrass Christian Camp. And Jeremy asked us a great question uh, that everyone on the team had to answer. He asked us to share with the group a way that we could possibly be annoying to the team while on the trip. That's a really good question. Now, it takes a little humility and a lot of self-awareness to answer a question like that one, but it's a good one to consider, I think, in any relational context. What if I took the rest of our time together this morning and asked this group that question? How would you answer it? Think of a way you could possibly be annoying to this group and then share it with us. Now, that's not how we're going to spend the rest of our time. But I I like that question. It was good for me to think about how I might be annoying to someone else or to some other group of people. You know, I can be very quick to notice how someone else annoys me, but how do I annoy someone else? And I I do want to stop and give you a moment to think about that. Just a few seconds. How how might you be annoying to someone else? Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and share. I simply want us to be thinking along those lines. Um, because I want to give us a challenge for the rest of the year 2022. Um, We're we're able to kind of get this first month under our belts, right, to kind of get our feet in the water a little bit. So I'll even give you another day or two. So we won't start this challenge until February the 1st, all right? I'll give you all of January to kind of get that under your belt, and then this challenge will start on Tuesday, February 1st. For the rest of this year, here's my challenge to us. Let's be people who are annoying with our appreciation. Let's be people who are irritating with our thankfulness. Let's be people who are exasperating with our gratitude. That's the challenge. What if a year from now I asked you, how might you be annoying to a group of people, and you knew immediately? You didn't have to think twice about it. I'm too thankful. I I say thank you too much. I'm over the top with my appreciation of other people. I, I really have a problem. You know, I could just, could just stop at a thank you card, 
but I also send an email and a text, and I call on the phone, and then I also usually post something about it on Facebook. I really have a problem. I think it, I think it irritates people. My challenge to us is to become people, if you're not already, who are annoying with our appreciation. Luke tells a story about an interaction between Jesus and a group of lepers. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It's a story that most likely is familiar to you. Um, I think most everyone knows there was 10 lepers and Jesus heals all of them. But then there was only one who returned to say thank you. And he was a Samaritan. Now, I think most everyone is familiar with those details of the story. But have you spent much time considering the way this man showed his appreciation to Jesus? The extent to which he went to show his gratitude to to Jesus? The details of it. I think they're important because the details are always important to Luke's storytelling. Verses 15 and 16 could easily just have read, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It would have carried the same meaning But Luke chose to include some important details about the way this man showed his appreciation to Jesus. And I don't want you to miss it today. Here it is from Luke 17. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, and here it is, praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, imagine with me that scene in your mind. He came back, praising God in a loud voice, and threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanking him. You see, it it wasn't just, thank you, Jesus, fist bump. It was so much more than that. It was both vocal and... Luke tells us he was praising God with a loud voice. And it was physical. He he threw himself at Jesus' feet. So it was was kind of this over-the-top show of gratitude for what Jesus had done. Then Luke tells us this man was a Samaritan. I think this detail is important to Luke for a number of reasons, but here's the point I want to make this morning. The one person who was not expected to show gratitude did. This is what Jesus meant by foreigner when he refers to him as the only one, the only one who came to show, to say thank you is this foreigner. That's what he meant. He, he, he wasn't expected to show gratitude. He didn't know any better. It was not his custom. It wasn't his habit. But on the other hand, the nine people who should have known better, the Jews, the locals, 
the ones who it was custom for, the one who should be habit, who should have been a habit for, they did not show appreciation. And church, this should get our attention. Because if there's anyone who should know better, if there's any group of people who should be quick to show appreciation and thankfulness, and gratitude. It's the Christian. Yet like the nine, so often the ones who should know better are not the ones who return to give praise to God. It's been said that Christians are quick to pray but slow to praise. Why is that? Why are we quick to give God our prayer requests, tell him all about our troubles, but we're slow to thank God, praise God for all that he's done? Psalm 21. Out of the collection of 150, I mentioned this to you last week, 10 of these psalms are known as royal psalms. That's because of their emphasis on the king of Israel. We learned last week that Psalm 20 is a royal psalm. Um, Specifically, Psalm 20 was a prayer to God on behalf of the king of Israel before he went into battle. And I suggested that with enough imagination, you could picture the king leading his troops out to battle. And as he marched away from the city, the people of Israel gathering to sing this psalm as a a prayer to God. Well, Psalm 21 is also known as a royal psalm. And many scholars think that these two psalms uh, are intentionally placed together as a pair. Psalm 20 was a request for help and protection as the king went out to battle. Psalm 21 was a prayer of thanksgiving and praise as the king returned home from battle. So again, with just enough imagination, you can picture the king returning home triumphantly. And as he approached the city with the troops, the people of Israel gathering to sing this song of praise to God. And so, this, these two psalms form a pair. One, the first is an example of sharing our prayer requests with God. And then the second, Psalm 21, is an example of giving thanks to God through prayer for what he's done. And it's just as necessary, it's just as important to a life of prayer. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 wrote these words to the church. He literally wrote, and always be the thankful ones. I really like that. Are are you known as a thankful one? If I were to go and ask those closest to you, would they describe you as a thankful one? 
I love those words from Paul. And always be a thankful one. Church, we, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so many reasons to, to stop and show our appreciation to God. It's amazing that we get anything accomplished during the day. And my hope this morning for us as a church family, as it has been for me this week, is for this psalm to just give us a taste and a glimpse of the many reasons we have to be thankful. And to use this psalm to encourage us and to inspire us to always be the thankful ones. That's what our world needs now more than anything, is for the church to be known as the thankful ones. Our world needs gratitude. They need to see appreciation lived out. They need to see people who are known as the thankful ones live out their lives for Christ. Instead of being known as people who are easily annoyed by our situation, Let us live as people who are always annoying with our appreciation. And you see, that's two very different ways to live. Now, I mentioned last week about the unique relationship in the Old Testament between the people of Israel and their king. The welfare of the king and that of the people was inseparable. When the king won... The people won. When the king failed, the people failed. So when the king praised God, the people praised God. And that's the context of this psalm. You see, the king leads the way in praise. The people here are encouraged to praise God by the example of their king. This psalm begins in verse 1 with, O Lord, the king rejoices in your strength, and then concludes in verse 13 with, O Lord, in your strength, we, the people, will sing and praise your might. So the praise begins with the king and ends with the people. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to be encouraged to praise God by the example of the king. And as we meditate upon this psalm and see the king rejoice in God's strength, my prayer, my hope, is that it will inspire us to be thankful ones. It will inspire us to sing and praise about the might of God. Let's walk through this psalm together with the rest of our time this morning. Let's begin in verse 1. Verse 1 reads, O Lord, the king rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you give. Now, knowing that this is a psalm of David, 
When I read about the rejoicing of the king and about the greatness of the king's joy, I can't help but think about 2 Samuel 6. Now, perhaps you already know the scene that I'm thinking about, but if not, I want to tell you a little bit about it. David has just become the king of Israel. He's taken Jerusalem from the Jebusites. He has this huge victory over the Philistines. And then he brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And it's a, it's a jubilant scene. It's, it's really this incredible moment for Israel. Uh, and I want to read a little bit of that moment with you out of 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to pick up in verse 12. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, verse 14, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Now, let me stop there and ask you a question. Really, just because I'm personally curious. Have you ever danced with all of your might? Have you ever done anything with all of your might? I feel like if I were to dance right now in front of you with all of my might, I would surely pull a muscle. I'm pretty convinced, you know, especially without any stretching or warming up. I would, I would hurt myself and be out for the rest of the day. I don't know that I've ever done anything with all of my might. But this is how David chose to show his appreciation to God. It's similar to the one leper praising God with a loud voice and throwing himself down at the feet of Jesus. Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window... Michael was also his wife. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. In other words, she was annoyed with his appreciation. She was just a little irritated with his thankfulness. She was uh, exasperated, if you will, with his gratitude. And when David got home that night, she let him know about it. And his response to her uh, is classic. In verses 20 and, and 21, he says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. 
and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. In other words, David responds to Michael's annoyance of his appreciation for God by saying, my dear wife, you ain't seen nothing yet. And you see, the king leads the way. Not only did David celebrate before the Lord, but verse 15 tells us that he led the entire house of Israel to celebrate before the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. He had so many reasons to be thankful. In this psalm, Psalm 21, David gives at least six reasons to praise God. Six reasons to show God our appreciation. There's probably more. These are six that I have learned and as I've meditated upon this psalm this week that I wanted to share with you. These are six that I'm taking with me. These are six that God has used to change my heart this week, to make me a, look a little bit more like a thankful one. And I wanted to share these with you so that when you're sitting around and saying to yourself, well, I just don't have a thing to be thankful for today. I can't think of a single thing. Psalm 21 suggests otherwise. David says, I beg to differ. And the crazy thing is, as we look at these, each one gets better. Each, the first one that I'm going to share here in just a second is really good, but then the second one is better, and the third, it just gets better and better. So if you haven't already, be sure and have your Bibles open here to Psalm 21. And I want us to look at these together. We're going to begin in verse 2. David writes, You have granted him the desire of his heart and have not withheld the request of his lips. And so the, the reason to be thankful, the reason for our appreciation to God that I want to, you to write down based upon this verse are answered prayers. Answered prayers. As, as the king leads the way here for us, David says the king has so much joy because you have answered his prayers. And so we too, we too can rejoice. We too can be thankful and show appreciation for answered prayers, big and small. You know, I was thinking this week um, upon this, and I, I thought, you know, what if one of my kids asked me for something, and I gave it to them, and instead of their stopping and saying, thanks, Dad, they just immediately asked me for something else. Now, I don't have to go out to Bluegrass Christian Camp Strategic Parenting to know that as a parent, I should probably say something to my child if they acted in that way. But 
Often that's how we pray. It's just on to the next request. It's kind of, uh, what have you done for me lately? Um, so I was thinking upon this this week uh, on Wednesday night at the Kaufman House. We received uh, an answer to prayer. And I'm not going to go into all the detail of it, but it's something that we've been praying about for quite some time now. And we received an answer. And what a moment it was for us to, to just all get down on our knees. Thank God. Thank Him. Praise Him. We don't need to miss those moments. To just thank Him, to praise Him for answered prayers. And so that's the first one. Let's move on to verse 3 and look at the second reason. Verse 3 reads, You welcomed him with rich blessings and placed the crown of pure gold on his head. Uh, literally, um, that, that word rich that's translated in NIV, at least, says rich blessings. It's blessings of good. It's blessings of good. And so we can be thankful to the Lord for blessings of good. You know, as I've thought and meditated upon this, on that this week, for me, it's just simply like the good things of life. It can be something as simple as a warm cup of coffee on a cold morning. Now, that's not going to mean the same to all of us. But for me, right, guys, there's the coffee people in the room. I mean, on a, cold, on a morning like it's 14 degrees this morning, you got a warm cup of coffee. That's good. That's good. Like, that should cause us to thank God, to show appreciation to him for a blessing of good. Sitting next to your spouse after you finally get the kids in bed and watching your favorite TV show together. That little 30-minute piece of time, the only time you have together all day. But that's so good. The blessing of good. It's just those little blessings of good in your life, and we need to name them so that we don't miss them and thank God for them. Thank God for them. Third, verse 4, he asked you for life, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. I love that phrase, length of days. You know, I think it's a good practice to just be appreciative for another day. Because we don't know how many days we have. But I don't know if that'd be a good thing or a bad thing when, we, when we're born, if that was put on the birth certificate, the number of days that we're going to be around here. We don't know. I may not be back up here preaching next Sunday. I don't know, but I know this, I'm here today, and I'm very thankful. When I woke up this morning, there was another day added to my length of days. So thankful for it. So thankful to have another day with you all. 
So thankful to be given another opportunity to preach God's word to you. So thankful for my length of days. It's one more than it was yesterday. For that, I'm grateful. Fourth, in verse five, through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You've bestowed on him splendor and majesty. I love this word victories. Victory is a, is a word that we need to talk about more often, I feel like, as Christians. The Hebrew word for victory is Yeshua, and the Greek is the name for Jesus. If you remember, the angel said, name him Jesus, for he will give his people victory over their sin. You get that? The angel tells us the reason Jesus came to earth was to give his people victory over their sin. The word here can also be translated as rescue. God rescues us. God has rescued us from sin. God has rescued us from eternal death. God has rescued us. He's given us victory eternally, and he also gives us victory day to day over sin. And we get to experience that, and we know that. And it, it... Listen, I'm, I, I am so thankful. I could spend the rest of the day telling you how grateful I am to God that he has rescued me from my sin. Fifth, verse six. Surely you have granted him eternal blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Uh, the presence of God brings us joy. We are thankful that we can experience the presence of God and know the joy of his presence. We experience the presence of God through his Holy Spirit living in us. We experience the presence of God when we pray. We experience the presence of God when he speaks to us from his word. We experience the presence of God through the love and the comfort of his people. And we're thankful for the joy of the presence of God. And then sixth, verse seven. For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. What a wonderful verse, what a powerful verse. If there's kind of a takeaway verse from this psalm, it's this one. This is the one that I've always had highlighted uh, from Psalm 21. This is the memory verse from Psalm 21. But we can be thankful And listen to this. Listen to the beauty of what we can be thankful for here. For the faithfulness of the king and the unfailing love of the father. So we can praise God every day for the rest of our life for these two realities that have formed our relationship with him. We would not have a relationship with God without these two realities. The faithfulness of Jesus Christ. We would be dead and lost in our sin without the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the faithfulness of our king, 
the faith of the one who went to the cross and died on our behalf. Man, it's so beautiful when you pick up the pages of the gospel and you see the faithfulness of Jesus. It takes you to your knees, his faith and his trust. And then also here, we can be thankful for the unfailing love of the Father. The unfailing love of the Most High. It's that love that would not give up on us. Again, I could go on and on this morning, but there are so many times when God should have given up on me. And he didn't. It's because his love is unfailing. His love doesn't give up. His love keeps pursuing. This is that Hebrew word that Kevin has preached a lot about, I know, in recent years, but it's that Hebrew word for hesed. It's hesed, that unfailing love. It's a covenant term. So it's not a romantic, feely, kind of a fatuation kind of a love. That's not what it is. It's a faithful and a reliable and a steadfast and an unchanging kind of love. God said through the prophet Isaiah, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will never be shaken. And it's because of the faithfulness of the king and the unfailing love of the father that we have relationship with God, that we're not dead and lost in our sin. And on our worst days, the faithfulness of Jesus and the unfailing love of the father should be enough to keep us singing. We have so much to be thankful for. So many reasons to praise God. Answered prayers, blessings of good, length of days, victory over sin, presence of God, the faithfulness of Jesus, the unfailing love of the Father. Church, here's the challenge. Instead of being known as people who are easily annoyed by our situation, let us live as people who are always annoying with our appreciation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your psalms. Thank you that your word is living and active. May it change us. Lord, I'm, I, I, I pray that you'll do this work in us. Your Holy Spirit, that you'll do this work. Lord, we're so easily annoyed. Lord, we just confess that to you. I confess it for me. I'm easily annoyed. But Lord, do a, do a great work in us through, through the transforming work of your spirit. The, man, oh, wow. What, just to read, to read all, the, all those reasons. No reason. No, no. I mean, it, 
you think, well, man, why would somebody dance with all their might? Because they've got all these reasons to. Lord, may we, may we become a people who are annoying with our appreciation to you and for others. And may you change the world through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, uh, if there's anyone here who, you know, you know, <clears throat> if there's anyone here this morning who who doesn't who doesn't know the joy of the presence of God. My prayer for you is for you to know it. I, I hope just with the opening of his word, you sensed it a little bit. If, if God's just stirring something in your heart, even, that, that's, that takes something that's, that's cold and dead, Paul would tell us, begins to transform it into something that responds to the grace of God. If you want to respond to Jesus in any way this morning, if you want to come, we want to pray for you, whatever you need might be this morning, let's stand together and sing.